0: This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. I'm excited about what God has us uh, talking about tonight. And so you can see on your notes there, the title of tonight's teaching is Triumph is Coming. And of course, we know, and we'll get through this in the teaching here, but faith is always now. And so triumph is not only coming, but triumph is now. And, uh, and I've been hearing that for the past couple of months in my spirit man about 2022, going into the next season as the body of Christ. And so this will be my assignment for the next however long when I go teach in different places and stuff of, of getting into it. And so tonight... We're just going to, I'm going to just lay the groundwork. You know, the word says one plants another waters, but God gives the increase. And so when you're getting into new territory, it's like, it's like plowing new ground. And so I'm going to, I'm going to go over a lot of scripture. I'm going to just going to begin to sow the seed, expecting the spirit of God to open it up to you, even while you're driving home, while you're at home. And, um, and so you see in your notes here, triumph is coming. Now, uh, Dr. Jerry Savell, who is one of our spiritual fathers, this is something he was talking about the number 20, the number 22, and this is something I always look up at the beginning of each year because usually October, November, December, the Lord starts talking to me about the upcoming year. But Dr. Savell, he was looking at it and I looked this up as well. The Hebrew letter representing 20 means open hand, given freely, provision completeness I want to say that again the number 20 means open hand giving freely provision and completeness the number 22 symbolizes disorder and chaos and destruction so this shouldn't surprise us 2022 that as the world keeps going the direction that it's going We can look around, it isn't waiting until 2022. Disorder and chaos is already all around us. But the number 20 is God is saying that in the middle of disorder and chaos and destruction, I am going to open my hand and provide freely to those who are not shaken by the disorder and chaos. Say that to me. That's triumph is coming. And so when I hear things like that in my spirit, man, okay, so I'm asking, all right, Lord, first, where's the scripture? Say that, where's the scripture? So whether it's a dream, whether it's a vision, whether you hear the voice of God in here in your spirit, man, it's always gonna go along with the scripture. And so I'm asking, okay, Lord, what does this look like? What is our part? What do we need to do to get in position to experience triumph? And what does this look like? But God is saying to his children, triumph is coming. Remember in the very beginning, you know, think about 2022. God is opening his, everybody do this with your hand, close fists. Now just open your hand. God is saying, I'm going to open my hand and give freely in the middle of disorder and chaos and destruction to those who aren't shaken by it the very beginning, the Bible says the Holy Spirit was hovering over darkness. That word darkness in the Hebrew means chaos and disorder. And then God said, light be, and light was. The word light in the Hebrew language is the letters O-R-E, which means order. So just from the very beginning of time, anywhere there has been chaos, the Holy Spirit is waiting and hovering over that area, waiting for God's Word to be spoken into that situation to bring order. We are the body of Christ. We are not the body of Christ's. And God is saying, regardless of the destruction, the disorder, the chaos that's going to go on in the world, right in the middle of it, I'm going to open up my hand. And he's saying, triumph is coming. Triumph is coming. Say it. Triumph is coming. And so we've got to begin to let our mind go there. Okay, what does this look like for me? You know, in, in Romans chapter 10, this is, it's uh, the famous chapter in Romans where he talks about salvation and we believe in our heart and we declare with our mouth that Jesus is our Lord and it goes on all who call upon the name of Jesus shall be saved but if you keep reading he says now how can a person believe unless they hear and how can a person hear unless a preacher is sent and so time that God is going to do something new to the body of Christ and the family of God upon the earth, he finds men and women of God who are willing to hear and declare to his people for the people's faith to rise up and experience what is on God's heart. And God is saying triumph is coming. So that's what I'm, I'm going to spend the tonight, this session, of just laying a foundation, sow and seed. Triumph is coming, because we've got to start renewing our mind to the truth of what God is saying, the season we're in as the body of Christ, as His kids. Now... This helped me when I gave my life to the Lord because as a young man, my dad said something that was what was going to happen. I mean, I can't even tell you. I got to laughing at myself the other day. and Maybe you did this, too, because I remember I would, you know, just being a boy and I would do something. And he would say, when I get home, when we get home, I'm going to whoop your tail. And on the way home, I was just thinking, oh, I hope my dad forgets i hope he forgets you know not one time not one time did he ever forget not one time and he wouldn't say anything and i would just try to be so nice and try to oh dad you know talk him out of it and everything you know and not one time did he forget but what it was doing is if my earthly father said something he was going to do what he said and that helped me and it still helps me to this day when my heavenly father says something i don't have a hard time believing him because my earthly father would do what he said and so we want to be this way with one another we want to be this way in our life and so when god is saying triumph is coming how does faith come romans 10 17 faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of god how does faith come? Hearing, hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we've got to hear something new to experience something new. So faith is not only hearing, but faith is also doing. So when we hear triumph is coming, What does that look like in your business? What does it look like in your family? What does it look like in your finances? What does it look like in your physical body? And God is saying in the middle of disorder and chaos, I'm gonna open my hand freely to those who aren't shaken by the disorder and chaos, letting us know that it's gonna take focus on our part, focus on him, focus on being obedient to what he's telling us to do and not being distracted by the disorder and chaos. Say focus. Now, expectation is a huge part of faith. I can always tell when I'm in faith, any person can always tell when we're in faith is because there's going to be expectation. Say it, expectation. Expectation, when you look at that word, it, it paints the picture of a little kid out on the curb with their head peeking around the corner waiting for grandma and grandpa to come. An expectation. Am I expecting triumph in every area of my life? Say, triumph is coming. Expectation. Look at some of these scriptures on expectation. Psalm 62, verses 5 and 6. And he says, my soul waits only upon God. Silently submit to him for my hope and expectation are from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense, my fortress, and I shall not be moved. What are you expecting? Say it, expectation. My expectation comes from him. How, how do we develop our expectation in anything? Our expectation comes from what we spend the most time with. And God is saying, this is the psalmist David right here, and he's writing this down. He's saying, I've spent enough time with God that my expectation is coming from him, that he is speaking to my heart, and I'm believing what he's saying, and he's my God, and he's my fortress, and he's my rock, and I'm not going to be moved because I'm expecting him to do what he said he would do. What? What? are you expecting starting today starting tonight we're going to start expecting triumph in every area of our life triumph in our physical bodies triumph in our relationships triumph in our businesses triumph in our calling triumph in our assignment say it triumph is mine proverbs 23 verse 18. For surely there is a latter end, a future, and a reward, and your hope and expectation will not be cut off. Your expectation, good or bad, will not be cut off. A person gets what they expect in life. So this is, if you've never thought about this before, I want you just to pause right now and think, okay, what am I expecting? What am I expecting in every area of my life? Let's just simplify it spiritually. What am I expecting? Am I expecting to know the heart of God? Am I expecting to walk in the presence of God? Am I expecting when it comes to my relationships, what am I expecting? Am I expecting disorder and chaos? Or am I expecting order and my relationships flourishing financially, physically? vocationally your assignment your calling your purpose your destiny what are you expecting you can always track your expectation back to the way you think so if you're expecting bad things to happen you can always track it back to the way that you think because you're thinking track with me here you're thinking what you're thinking about a certain topic or subject or life it's gonna affect the way you believe I believe what I believe because of what I think So my thinking affects my believing. What I believe affects my expectation. So if my expectation is good, I'm expecting God to do what he said. I'm expecting God to protect. I'm expecting God to heal. I'm expecting God to open his hand in the middle of disorder and chaos. It's because I've spent enough time thinking about what God says and believing what God says, and now there's an expectation. And expectation affects attitude a person with a positive attitude attitude is an outward expression of an inward feeling a person with a positive attitude has a positive expectation they have a positive belief system and they have a positive way of thinking But a person with a negative attitude has a negative expectation a negative belief and a negative way of thinking now we're all a work in progress so if i want to change my attitude i've always got to reverse it back to the way that i think so just we're not teaching this tonight but i want you to write this down if you're taking note my thinking affects what i believe what i believe affects what i expect so if i want to change my expectation i've got to change what i believe My expectation affects my attitude. My attitude, good attitude, bad attitude, negative attitude, positive attitude. I can always track it back to my thinking. My attitude affects my action. So if I have a negative attitude, I'm going to act in a negative way. If I have a positive attitude, I'm going to act in a positive way. So my attitude affects my action. My actions develop my, my habits. So now because my thinking is right, my believing is right, my expectations drop, right, my attitude is right, my actions are right, now I'm going to start to have positive attitudes, uh, positive habits. And if I have positive habits, my habits develop my character. And my character affects my destiny. Now I can't change my destiny overnight as far as where I'm headed, but I can change the way that I think, which will eventually change where I'm headed. But if I don't change the way I think, I will not change the direction my life is going. So track with me again. I'm just going to repeat it so you can write it down. My thinking affects my believing. My believing affects my expectation. My expectation affects my attitude. My attitude affects my actions. My actions develop my habits. My habits affect my character. My character affects my destiny. So if I'm wanting to change, it always starts with the way that I think. So if I'm going to expect and have the attitude of triumph, and, and triumph is not only coming, triumph is mine. In every area of my life, I've got to start thinking triumphantly. What are you expecting? Say it, triumph. I'm expecting triumph. There's nothing that is impossible with the God that we serve. But we're, we've got to be doers of God's Word and not just hearers only. Amen. Psalms 145 verse 15 and 16 the eyes of all who wait for you looking watching expecting say it, expecting you give them their food in due season and you open your hand and satisfy every living thing with favor you open your hand and satisfy every living thing with favor in the passion translation it says when you open your hand it's full of blessing So God is wanting his people that no matter what is going on in this world, right in the middle of disorder and chaos, to expect him to open his hand and satisfy us freely and fully with abundant blessing. When you look at this in the the Greek, you look at it in the Hebrew, it, it, it says unusual, extraordinary, supernatural blessing. Expect it. Look at your neighbor and say, expect it. Expect it look at your other neighbor and say expect it Now now triumph is coming now when when God is saying that he opens his hand God is not a tight-fisted God For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave But it always takes faith to connect to anything that God promises us, right? Ephesians 3 20 it says, now to him who by consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly far over above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. So I want us to think, what are you praying about? Tonight, I want you to start praying about what does triumph look like in your life, your prayers, your desires. Do you have the desire? Every one of us, it's, it's built in us by God to have the desire to overcome, you know that? It is built in us by God to succeed, to wanna to succeed in life. We're made in the image and likeness of God and there's nothing average about the God that we serve. There's nothing uh, low thinking about the God that we serve. So I've got to ask, okay, what am I praying about? What are my desires? What am I thinking about? What am I dreaming about? God is saying, triumph is coming, but in order for it to happen in my life, is it going to happen to everybody? The answer is no. Why is that? Does salvation happen to everybody? The answer is no. Why? Because they might hear about salvation, but they don't act on God's word when it it pertains to salvation. We're going to hear that God wants us to triumph, but then it's going to be up to us to act on what God's word says about triumph. Say it, triumph is mine. Now now let's look at Colossians chapter 2 verse 15, and before we look at this, I, I want I want us to listen to the definition of triumph. This is a combination. I combine what Webster's Dictionary says and I combine what the Hebrew and Greek have said. So triumph means a procession celebrating the return of a victorious general and his army. I want you to think about that. A procession celebrating the return of a victorious general and his army the act or fact of being victorious victory success achievement exaltation or joy over a victory achievement public spectacle or celebration I want to read it again a procession celebrating the return of a victorious general and his army who is our victorious general Jesus Jesus is our victorious general who's in the army of God we are, right? Look, look at Colossians 2.15. Just listen right here. It's a, I don't even know what page it is on your notes, but I, just, I feel like we're supposed to read it right here. Having disarmed principalities, talking about Jesus being our victorious general. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. Definition of triumph a procession celebrating the return of a victorious general or his army So he's talking about Paul is telling us to the church at Colossia to you and I he said when Jesus died on the cross And he took all of our sins and he was buried and when he went to hell He disarmed all principalities all powers all rulers of the darkness of this world all wickedness in heavenly places He disarmed them and he took the keys of death hell and the grave and he rose up triumphantly so when see Satan thought he had Jesus defeated. But victory and triumph was his, and God resurrected him, and Jesus made a public spectacle of Satan and every demonic power, and he rose up victorious, and he gave us the keys, he gave us the name of Jesus, he gave us the blood of Jesus, he gave us his spirit, he gave us his power, the same power that defeated Satan is the same power that is in and on you and I, and he says, that's the triumph, you have everything you need to triumph in every area of your life. Life. Our victorious general and his army. Say that's me. Second Timothy chapter two, verse three and four. Listen to this. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. I want you to to picture what Paul is saying to Timothy right here. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now at the NFR this past week, all 10 rounds, every night they would honor one of our, our veterans. They would honor one of the heroes and it was so awesome because they would start talking about okay they had a plane down behind enemy line and the guy that they were honoring that night went down um, in behind enemy lines under heavy gunfire and he would bring back our military men and they would honor him and everybody would cheer and clap and and you know that that's biblical And Paul is telling Timothy right here, he says, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. A good soldier. A good soldier doesn't think like a bad soldier. A good soldier doesn't think about quitting. A good soldier doesn't think about, I'm just barely gonna do enough. A good soldier comes in realizing this word enlisted. See, when Paul was writing this, uh, everybody knew the language that he was talking about. And at this time they would have recruiters that would go out into the surrounding towns and they would find the young men that had the ability, that had the capacity, that had everything they needed to be a good soldier. And they would enlist them and the families would throw parties and they were so excited if one of their family members got enlisted into the army because they were gonna train to win. And if they couldn't win it by themselves, then the whole Roman government would back them up because the the whole government was behind them winning. They thought win, they believed win, they talked win, they trained to win. They just, they operated in win mode. Why? Because they were trained to triumph. And Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, you might have to go through some tough, but even if you have to go behind enemy lines, even if you have to step out and do something when there's no money, even when your physical body isn't wanting to do something, even when things seem difficult and it seems like a big obstacle, Timothy, I need you to think like a good soldier. I need you to go back and remember your training. Remember the promises of God. Remember how you renewed your mind. Remember how you learned to pray and praise and worship. Remember how you learned how to put it all on the line. I need you to think like a good soldier, believe like a good soldier, talk like a good soldier, pray like a good soldier. That defeat is not not even in your thinking in any form and fashion. Because the same Holy Spirit that enlisted you saw the potential of a warrior on the inside of you. He says so that you may please him. The word please, whenever you look at it in the Greek, it paints the picture. We, we get this. It paints the picture of a horse that works really good. And we sit back and we watch it and it's so pleasing to the eye. What pleases God? Faith. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, I need you to remember it was such an honor when you were enlisted to be in the family of God and it was such an honor when you were called upon to be a leader. Keep that mindset that when you were enlisted, you're not thinking about telling your your commander in chief, who is Jesus. You're not thinking about telling him no. See, a good soldier receives orders and follows through. A good soldier receives order and he ain't coming back until he accomplishes it. And Paul is telling Timothy and he's telling you and I we need to think like a good soldier. What has God told you to do? What has God created you to do? What has God called you to do? You've been enlisted into the family of God. He says, and I need you to think like you're going to accomplish everything that God put you on this earth to do. He says, I need you to think like a good soldier. Look at your neighbor and say, think like a good soldier. Psalms 25 verse 2. It says, oh my God, I trust, lean on, rely on, am confident in you. Let me not put, be put to shame or my hope in you be disappointed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. The word triumph there is the Hebrew word, hep lotus." I've probably butchered that, but it means to jump for joy, that is exult, to be joyful and rejoice. Now he's saying, God, as I'm pursuing you, I'm asking you, don't let my enemy triumph over me. Don't let my enemy be joyful over me. Don't let my enemy have a party because he whooped my tail. Johnson paraphrase, of course. Look at Micah chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. But as for me, I will look to the Lord and confident in Him. I will keep watch. I will await with hope and expectancy for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. So Micah is saying the same thing as David. He says, even though I have fallen and the devil is laughing at me because I've fallen, he's laughing at me because I made, made a, a dumb decision, he's laughing at me, is saying, I've spent time with God and I'm realizing that I might have fallen down, but I'm coming back. I might have fallen down, but I will not quit. I might have messed up, but I'm going to get back in the game. And you hear me, enemy, instead of you laughing so loud at me, you hear me, I'm going to speak in such a volume, such a degree, with such authority that at one time the enemy was laughing laughing at us, but we're going to start laughing back at him. Why? Because we have triumph is ours. Triumph is coming. Triumph is ours. And when you're triumphant, there's a, a pep in your step. When you're triumphant, you think different. You believe different. You talk different. You walk different. When you know you have the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. Listen to what he says in Psalms 37 verse 13. The Lord laughs at the wicked for he sees that their own day of defeat is coming. So if God is, is sitting in heaven laughing at the enemy, I want you to identify the enemy in your life. We know the enemy, his job is to steal, kill, and destroy. Anything that is stealing, killing, and destroying. There's times when you don't have the finances you need and the devil's telling you you never will have the finances you need. He's telling you there's no way that your life is gonna turn back around. But you know if the, if the devil is a liar and he is a liar, John chapter eight, verse 44, says so he's a liar, and he's telling you that there's no way, guess what? There is a way. If he's telling you it's not happening, guess what? It's happening. He tells you that God's not coming through this time, even though I had a lady message me today and she said, okay, even though you've seen God do this and this, do you still ever struggle with the doubt and with the unbelief? And I said, as long as we live on this earth, there's going to be a devil. And it's going to be, even though you might've seen God show up a hundred times, he is a liar and he's going to show up, the devil's going to show up and say, God's not going to show up this time. God's not going to bring the money this time. God's not going to heal your body this time. God's not going to deliver this time, but the devil is a liar. so if the devil is lying to you and telling you it will not happen guess what it is on its way it is happening so the devil's telling you there's no way you'll triumph guess what we should say yes it is triumph is mine i'm going to start thinking triumphant i'm going to start believing triumphant i'm going to start talking triumph i'm going to start expecting triumph say it, i'm going to expect triumph You'll have to excuse my technology skills here. Sometimes I surprise myself on some of the stuff I do. <laughs> Hebrews 11, 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. i want to repeat it. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, I've got to ask, is this me? Am I being a doer of this? Must believe that he is. Must believe that He is what? Must believe that He is whatever you need Him to be, but in this case, you must believe that He is a God that opens His hand freely to satisfy right in the middle of disorder and chaos to those who aren't moved by it. Say it, I'm not moved. Believe that He is a God of triumph. He is a God of triumph. If he is a God of triumph and I am creating the image and likeness of God, then I am a child of God of triumph. If he is triumphant, I am triumphant. If he is victorious, I am victorious. If he is an achiever, I am an achiever. If he is going to make a public spectacle of the enemy, I'm going to make a public spectacle of the enemy. So in the Old Testament, David would say, God, you don't let the enemy laugh at me. You don't let the enemy triumph over me. In the New Testament, nowhere in the New Testament do you see God saying, I'm going to do something about the devil. Why? Because he already did something about the devil. When Jesus died on the cross, Jesus stripped them, disarmed all principalities and powers. Then he rose up and gave you and I his name, you and I his blood, you and I his word, you and I his power. He says, now you go, you are victorious. Now begin to think victorious, believe victorious, talk victorious, act victorious. Bring my will on earth just like it is in heaven. Do you think his will is triumph in heaven? Then it's triumph on earth. He is. He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Say it. I am triumphant. Psalms 47 verse 1. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Clap your hands, all you people shout to God with a voice of triumph now now this word triumph rena in in the hebrew it's it's properly a creaking or shrill sound that is a shout of joy gladness joy proclamation or of rejoicing so so what he's saying here is that when a person has the voice of triumph i want you to think about this if there's a voice of triumph you're not trying to work triumph up If there's a voice of triumph, then there is a thinking of triumph. There is a belief of triumph. There's an expectation of triumph. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You get so full of triumph in here that when pressure comes on, triumph is gonna come out here. And in order for me to see it out here, triumph has to start here, filling my heart here, releasing it here. Remember, the Holy Spirit is is hovering over the disorder, the chaos, whatever. Physical chaos in your body the Holy Spirit is hovering, and He's waiting for the Word to come out of your mouth to speak triumph. There's there's people watching right now that there's disorder and chaos in your stomach. There's there's somebody watching right now that you have disorder and chaos in your heart. And right now, I send the Word of God forth into your body, and I command the disorder to dissipate, the chaos to dissipate, and I release the healing anointing to flow freely into that person's body from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, and I call you healed, and I call you whole in jesus name so so clapping is a sign of victory a voice of triumph if there's a voice of triumph that lets me know i'm thinking triumph i'm believing triumph a voice of triumph is a voice voice of faith second corinthians 4 13 since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written I believed and therefore I spoke we also believe and therefore speak see the voice of triumph is the voice of faith where do we get faith from what is written notice he says the I believe and I speak according to what is written The voice of faith. Faith isn't begging. Faith isn't, I wonder what God's going to do. Faith is believing what God said and speaking what God said and doing what God said. And God is saying, triumph is coming. God is saying, I'm going to open my hand in the middle of disorder and chaos in whatever area of your life you'll believe me for. And and he is going to open his hand. Say it. He's going to open his hand. Psalm 60, verse 8. Moab is my wash pot over Edom. I will cast my shoe Philistia. Shout in triumph because of me. Shout in triumph because of me. Shout in triumph. When you look at this word triumph, it's connected to victory. It's connected to achievement. It's connected to gladness. It's connected to joy. Why is joy so important in our relationship with God? Romans 15 verse 13 says there's joy and peace whenever we truly believe. So an indicator that I'm truly believing that God's gonna show up is there's joy and peace. Why would God want us to keep our joy? Nehemiah 8, 10 says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So if I don't have joy, then I don't have strength. And if I don't have strength, I don't have the strength to resist the devil. And if I don't resist the devil, he doesn't flee. But if I keep my joy because I'm believing God, it's gonna keep me strong. And when I resist the devil, he has to flee in Jesus' name. So he wants us to be distracted by the disorder and chaos so it saps our joy, which saps our strength, which takes us away from our ability to stand our ground and to live a triumphant life. He says right here, shout in triumph because of me. Why why could we shout in triumph because of God? Because we have the victory in Christ Jesus. We shout in triumph because we have the name that is above every name. We shout in triumph because the Word of God does not return to us void. We shout in triumph because God has assigned angels to our life and they are working on our behalf right now. When we truly believe we have what God says we have, there's joy, there's a triumphant mindset. We, We shout because of God, because He is for us and not against us. If I truly believe that God is bigger than anything I'm facing, there's going to be joy. There's going to be a shout of victory. There's going to be an attitude of triumph. Say, triumph is mine. Let's keep going. Psalms 106, verse 47. He says, save us, O Lord our God and gather us from among the Gentiles to give thanks to his holy name to triumph in your praise. Exodus 15 verse 21. I told you we're going to read a lot of scripture today. Just sowing the seed. And Miriam answered them, sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. Now this is after God had delivered the children of Israel from Egypt The children of Israel were going to the promised land. God parts the Red Sea. God leads them through the Red Sea. Pharaoh and his men and his army come after the children of Israel. The children of Israel get to the other side. When they get to the other side, God releases the water, takes out the enemy, completely destroys the enemy. And so Miriam is leading a praise party on the other side. And she's saying right here in in Exodus 15, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has triumphed gloriously. Now I want you to think about this. Hebrews 8, 6 says that we have a better covenant built upon better promises. And that if God triumphed under the rule of Pharaoh, it doesn't matter what government we are under, our God will still triumph when we connect our faith to him. He says, triumph is coming in the middle of disorder and chaos. Triumph is mine. But what is it going to take to bring it from the unseen to the seen? What is it going to take from just hearing the Word of God to experiencing the Word of God? Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2. It says, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. What are we hearing? Because it said they heard the same good news about God. They experienced the same goodness of God that you and I experienced. But they did not connect their faith to what they're hearing. We're hearing that in the middle of disorder and chaos, God is going to open up his hand and freely satisfy those who are not moved by the disorder and chaos. We are hearing that triumph is here that we have triumph, whatever area of disorder, begin to declare triumph over it. Whatever area of chaos, begin to declare triumph over it. Begin to declare triumph over your finances, over your relationships, over your calling, over your destiny. Let's put some thought into it. Let's put some prayer into it. Wash over the water of the word. Let this word just roll over your heart and roll over your mind and ask, Holy Spirit, show me what triumph looks like for me. I'm not created to be you and you're not created to be me, but God is saying regardless of what you are created to do my will is triumph, victory achievement, success you're going to celebrate like your general has come back making a public spectacle of the enemy. You are in his army and you are designed and you are equipped and you are empowered to make a public spectacle of the enemy as well. No longer will he be laughing at you, but you rise up and you begin to laugh at him. Sometimes you got to laugh by faith. Ha 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 I know my life looks like hell right now but I'm not out I'm still breathing I'm coming back ha 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 I know my bank account looks like it's in the negative but God is working right now to bring increase into my life ha 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 the favor of God surrounds me like a shield I don't know how I'm going to go around the world I don't know how I'm going to do ha 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 but I will get it done in the name of Jesus are you with me triumph is mine say it triumph is mine now, we're getting ready to, to, to wind it down here. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. This is on page uh, 5 of your notes, I believe. But remember, God disarmed. You can read, go back and read some of these scriptures on your own. That God disarmed the principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world. And he triumphed. He triumphed. He triumphed. And if he triumphed, we triumphed. Now, listen to this. 2 Corinthians 2 14 and 50. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in defeat. No, that's not what it says. I was just seeing if you are paying attention. That's not what he says. It says, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumph. Always leads us in triumph as trophies of Christ's victory, and through us spreads and makes evident the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere. For we are the sweet fragrance of Christ, which exhales unto God, discernible alike among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Because Jesus triumphed, you and I triumph. And he says right here that you and I, he's leading us into triumph, and we are trophies of Christ's victory. And through us, say me through us he spreads and makes evident the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere for we are the sweet fragrance of Christ which exhales unto God discernible among the unsaved and the saved but the sad thing is, and you know this just like I do, instead of us Christians being a sweet fragrance, a lot of times we've been more like a stinky odor. We've gotta ask ourselves what kind of fragrance? You know, when I think of odor and fragrance, I think of the bathroom. I mean, I'm not, sometimes I'm this simple. You know, sometimes you follow, you're waiting for the bathroom. Whew. And this person's in there a long time, you're thinking, oh, bless the Lord. You know, I really gotta go here. So you go in and there's not a good fragrance, there is a, an, an odor. And a lot of times when you walk into churches, there's an odor. There's an odor of defeat. There's an odor of lack. There's an odor of the curse. Instead of the sweet smelling fragrance of victory the sweet smelling fragrance of an overcomer, the sweet smelling fragrance that I don't know how this is gonna turn out, but my God promised me all things are possible to me because I believe. I don't know how the things are gonna work out, but all I know is God is gonna open his hand to me. Say to me. In the middle of disorder and chaos, he's opened his hand to me and he promised me triumph. I don't know how, but I've got the triumph. That's, that's all I know. That's all I know to tell you. I, thanks be to God. He always causes me to triumph. Thanks be to God. He always causes me to triumph. Thanks be to God. He what? Always causes us to triumph. Go around your house beginning to de- declare that. That you and I, what does it look like for us to be a trophy? Of Christ's victory what does it look like for us to release the sweet-smelling fragrance not bad odor of a bad attitude of complainers of negative of grippers of sucking our thumb pulling our ears wah 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 what about me but no giving off the fragrance of triumph say it I've got triumph first Corinthians 15 verse 55 57 58 it says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? But thanks be to God who gives us the victory, making us conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now think of this. O death, where's your sting? O death, where is your victory? Death does not have the victory over born again men and women of God. Death having triumph over us, would us not be. Asking Jesus—I know it's not right, English—but us not asking Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, and us dying and going to hell—that's when death would get the victory. But when we called upon the name of Jesus, Jesus took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Death no longer had the victory, and when we accept Jesus, death no longer has the victory. Death no longer has the sting. The sting of death is gone. The the power of death is broken. And he goes on to say, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory, making us conquer. Who gives us the victory. Who gives us the what? Making us conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at Romans chapter eight. We'll come back to the rest of that. Romans chapter eight, verse 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In all these things we are, we are, say I am, more than conquerors. So I want you to see triumph, victory, success, achievement, overcoming, victory. All these words are in the same family. And he says because of Jesus, he always leads us to triumph. He makes us more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. More than conquerors in the Greek. More than in, in the Greek is the word hooper, and it means over, above, beyond, greater, superior, higher, better, first-rate, first-class, top-notch. Conquer in the Greek means overcomer, champion, victor, and master. I want you to picture what Paul's saying. Before this, the, the beginning of this, after this scripture, Paul is talking, okay, I've learned some things. He says, when my boat, this is Johnson paraphrase. when my boat was getting busted apart and I was supposed to sink and die and not fulfill my assignment I realized that nothing could separate me from the love of God. And I realize that I have the victory in Christ Jesus and he always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus, making me a top-notch overcomer, making me a first-rate overcomer, making me a champion, making me superior. This storm tried to take me out, but it can't take me out because I'm not done with my assignment. He said, I've learned some things. I'm top-notch, I'm first-rate, I'm superior, I'm an overcomer, I'm a master, I'm a victor. I'm a champion. He says, and I've realized that I don't care what anybody else says. Nothing can separate me from that. That is the way that God sees me as a champion. God sees me as victorious. God sees me as triumphant. That's the way God sees me. He says, when I was beaten and left for dead, I realized I'm more than a conqueror. In Christ Jesus, I'm superior to dying. I'm superior. I will fulfill my assignment. I will fulfill my calling. I will do everything God has called and created me to do because I have have the triumph of Christ in me and on me. But see that just didn't happen. He just didn't flip on a switch because he went to church or to the synagogue that day and he had a bumper sticker on his donkey that said, I love Jesus. (laughs) No, no, he had spent enough time realizing this is the way that God sees me. And right now my physical body they just kicked the crud out of me. And in the natural, it'd be a lot better. Remember the times he says, you know, I'm torn right here. (laughs) I'm torn because I could go to be with Jesus and it would be good for me, but bad for you. So I'm deciding. Because I've learned how to be an overcomer, I'm going to stay and I'm going to help you overcome in your faith. I'm going to stay and I'm going to help you know how, know God more than you know him right now. I'm going to stay and teach you how to learn to walk by faith, live by faith, to have a triumphant mindset, to have a victorious life, to have an overcoming lifestyle in your relationship with God. Remember, it starts with our thinking. Think triumph. We start to believe that we have triumph. We start to talk about us having triumph in Christ Jesus. We start to expect triumph. We start to act like we're triumphant. give you a few scriptures just to meditate on. Go down uh, to, first, uh, to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Most of you know this, but here's some things to do when it comes to triumph, to think on these scriptures. This is when Joshua picked up the mantle of Moses, and he was being the leader. There was a new sheriff in town. And God is telling Joshua, Moses is dead. The way that he did it is over. I want you to be strong and courageous. I want you to hear what I'm telling you. I want you to take the assignment that I've given you. And this is what he says. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will deal wisely and have good success. So when it comes to triumph, what he's saying, he's saying in order for us to experience triumph, it's going to need to be on your mind. Say on my mind. It's going to need to stay coming out of your mouth. Say, say, come out of my mouth. And he says, and you're going to need to do, he says, when you're thinking it, when you're speaking it, and you're acting upon it, he says, then you will deal wisely. Then you will have good success. Then you will experience triumph. Then you will experience God's open hand in the middle of disorder and chaos. Then, then the the responsibility is not on God. God will always do his part. The responsibility is on you and I keeping it on our mind keeping it in our heart keeping it in our mouth keeping it in our actions you with me Job 36 verse 11 and 12 if they obey and serve me they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures but if they do not obey they shall perish by the sword and they shall die without knowledge notice our part if We obey and serve him. So I've got to ask myself, am I doing the last thing God told me to do? If I'm wanting to experience, he says, if I obey and serve him, I'll spend my days in prosperity. This word prosperity will automatically go to money. Prosperity is more than money. Prosperity, this word prosperity means fullness, wholeness, completeness in every area of our life. He says, if you obey, pause, ask, okay, I got to be real with myself. Am I doing what God has told me to do and serve him? Remember, true servanthood is serving someone the way they want to be served, not the way I want to serve them. A lot of times we serve God on our terms instead of serving God on his terms. We worship when we want to worship instead of worshiping the way God asks us to worship. We give when we want to give instead of giving the way God asks us to give. We forgive when we feel like forgiving instead of forgiving because it's what God asks us to do. Are you with me? If I obey and am I serving God on his terms or am I serving God on my terms? Well, if I'm serving God on his terms, he says, then I will spend my days, say days, in prosperity, triumph, victory, success, achieving. In that fight it says, and pleasures forever. Not just whenever there's a good leader in, in the polit- politician circle. No, no. Regardless of where we're at, what we're going through, nothing changes the promises of God. One more and we're done. Psalms 35, 27 So we're seeing our plan of action. What what does God want us to do? What does God want us to know that triumph is ours? What does God want us to do? He wants us to be renewing our mind to this. He wants us to be believing it. He wants us to be expecting it. He wants us to be declaring it. Psalms 35 verse 27, let those who favor my righteous cause and have pleasure in my brightness shout for joy and be glad and say continually, let the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Once again, this word prosperity is connected to triumph, success, achievement, wholeness, completeness. So I've got to back up. Let those who favor my righteous cause, do I favor God's righteous cause? What does that look like for you and I? Favoring God's righteous cause is us being in the process of knowing God, discovering our gifts, our strengths, our callings, our assignment, and using them for the glory of God. God's righteous cause is for people to know Him. So I've got to ask, okay, let those who favor my righteous cause, am I doing what I'm created to do for the glory of God? keep going, and have pleasure in my uprightness. So not only am I doing what God has created me to do, but I'm taking pleasure in his uprightness. I'm living upright. I'm living a righteous life. I'm living out my relationship with God. I'm not doing this to get God to do something. I'm doing it because I love God. I'm doing it as an outflow of my relationship with God. And he goes on to say, have pleasure my brightness, shout for joy. Why are you shouting for joy? Because you got triumph. You're being glad. Why are you glad? Because you have triumph. Say continually, let the Lord be magnified. Let the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in the prosperity of us, his servants. And a lot of times when we hear that scripture, we focus on God prospering us. The prospering, that's God's responsibility. Our focus should be, I'm going to prosper God. I'm going I'm to favor his righteous cause. I'm going to tra- try to make God as rich as I possibly can. And he counts his wealth in people. When people take just one step closer to knowing God, maybe you don't even say anything, but just being around you. Remember, you're, you're exhaling the fragrance of God and they know there's something different about you. They know that there's joy, there's peace about you, there's something something different about you. You focus on favoring God's righteous cause. You focus on being the best you you can be and God promises he will prosper. Why? Because you're you're his child. And he wants you to triumph. Say, he wants me to triumph. He wants me to triumph. Spend time thinking about what does that look like in your business? What does it look like? Triumph starts from the inside not on the outside. A lot of times we wanna stay the same on the inside and everything change out here. Ain't happening. But if I'll change in here, things out here have to change. So if I begin to think triumph, believe triumph, talk triumph, expect triumph, act triumphantly, being obedient to what God wants me to do, it's just a matter of time before I experience the triumph that God has promised. God is saying to his people, triumph is here. We are the body of Christ. The church is not going to go out of here. When Jesus comes back, we're not going to be laying on our back with blood running out of our nose, getting our tail kicked, saying, oh God, take us out, Jesus. Uh Uh-uh. We're going to go out of here triumphant. God will not allow the devil to have the last laugh. He's not going to do it. I want to pray over you. Father, I just love you so much, and I'm thankful for every person here. I'm thankful for your word. And Father, I sow this word into our hearts, and I declare it does not return void, that Holy Spirit, you are the teacher of truth, and that as we think on this, and and as we're sleeping, and as we're waking up, that you're talking to us about triumph, you're talking to us about our victory in Christ Jesus, you're talking to us about what a a conqueror looks like in our life, you're talking to us about the spirit of triumph, the spirit of faith, the spirit of success, Father, you're talking to us about, about your goodness, about your heart, and every area of our life. Father, the people that give tonight, I declare that they have a triumphant harvest. That Father, whatever they give, it's given back to them. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I declare triumph in their physical body. I declare triumph in their mind. I declare triumph in their relationships. I declare triumph in their businesses. I declare there's a spirit of triumph and victory upon your people and you get all the honor and all the glory in Jesus name. Amen.